Are you ready to write? Do you want to learn what it takes to create a writing career? Then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go! writers you're listening to simply write with Polly and this is the podcast where we talk about crafting a writing career and living the writer's life for me those two things go hand in hand right I love the flexibility that working as a full-time writer affords me I get to choose normally when I'm going to work what projects I'm going to take on But there's a lot of hustle involved, too, because you're only as good as your last job, right? You have to keep getting the work out there and publishing the work because that's how we get paid. Is it possible? Absolutely. I've been doing it for 26 years. And on this show, we talk about really how we can create a sustainable career but really love living the life we're living because being a writer is a privilege. It affords a lot of autonomy, an opportunity to indulge our curiosity, um, to make up things if we're writing fiction, to learn things if we're writing nonfiction. Actually, I think writing anything, you have an opportunity to learn a ton of whatever topic you're going down, fiction or nonfiction. And I'm doing both. I have uh, written several nonfiction books. The newest is You Recharge. That's a personal development book. I have a lot of personal information in there, but I also did a lot of research with neurologists and psychologists and all the ologists. If you want to see how I structured that, how I worked through and sold that to a publisher, um, you can go get a copy of it. Often when I'm trying to uh, learn a new genre or work for with a particular agent or publishing house, I will go to the books uh, that they that they work with and and really lean into that book. If it's a book I love, I will do the same. I'll read the the whole book just for enjoyment and for knowledge. And then I'll go back and kind of uh, take it apart. What's working? What did I like about it? Uh, what's the voice? What's the point of view? Um, how did they play with the research? Uh, and which can be really dry, you know, how did they do those kind of things to make this book work and make it marketable and make it something people want to pick up? So anyhow, thanks for being here. Glad you're here. Um, I'm glad I'm here. Today marks our 30th episode. So I did the math, which is something. That's like, it's something I did the math. But that's like 28 weeks. So we're almost on eight months. Is that eight months? (laughs) We're almost on eight months. So you could tell why I'm a writer and, and not a mathematician. But it's been great. We've talked to all kinds of authors um, from content marketing writers, authors, and freelancers, and thriller authors, and short story writers, and screenwriters, and we got plenty more to come. I'm getting lots of calls. I'm reaching out to lots of people, and uh, the calendar is booked for this year. We got lots of stuff. Award-winning authors, Anthony Award-nominated authors, and uh, magazine editors. So there's a lot we can learn from each other. And that's what we try to do here on the show is just come together and talk it through our process, our style, what works, what doesn't work. I think sharing that information uh, together is a way that makes us all better. And it builds a community in what can be a real isolating job. 
So, as you know, in 30 episodes, 30 times, well, this will be the 30th, 29 times, we start each show with the dailies. This morning, I started my day with an early doctor's appointment and about 45 minutes of traffic. I was actually driving about mm, 10 miles, probably, to the clinic, and it took me like 45 minutes. So there you have it. But the sun is out, so I I opened the moonroof and I just hung out and listened to a Dateline podcast. If you want to learn about storytelling, listen to uh, the Dateline podcast and how they set up and create tension in their stories. So that's all I have to say on that. Love it. Um, Then I rushed home, took the dog out um, at my desk. I have an interview coming up later today. I'm working on uh, chapter six of the novel, and I'm going to bring in a whole new surprising segment today. So if you're listening to this years in advance, maybe that novel will be out there. Not yet, but I'm working on that. Got a newsletter produced. That'll go out tonight. If you want to get that weekly newsletter, you can join our Simply Write community. You can join that by going to simplywrite.substack.com and find you know all the columns that we write about, writer's mindset, writing career, links to information, the ups and downs of my own uh, work experience, blah, blah, blah. So join us there at simplywrite.substack.com. And now uh, I'm getting ready to tape this podcast, which is all about imposter syndrome and writers. It affects all of us, but I'm telling you what, I think writers get hit especially hard. So uh, we're going to talk about that next. That's the dailies. In 1978, psychologists and researchers, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, came up with a title, a descriptor, a phrase for a condition that all of us experience in our lives. I think all of us. The research is pretty supportive of that too, that the vast majority of us experience this thing that they named imposter syndrome. You know what I'm talking about? It's that feeling that we get that we're a fraud, that it's just a matter of time before we're discovered and kicked out of the office or the magazine or the publisher sends our book back and reverses the contract, whatever it is, that we somehow don't belong. We don't have the skills. We don't have the ability. We don't have the credentials. It was termed that imposter syndrome way back in the late 70s, but dang, it keeps showing up today. Now, All my friends who are in different professions, they experience this too. But my writer friends, it can be very intense and it can keep us from creating because the very nature of our work, if we're going to uh, have a career as a writer, we have to continue to send our stuff out to publishers and agents and editors and the public. And when we do that, We invariably get feedback, and not all of it is good. So often, people will call you on your baloney. This sentence isn't written well, or this is not correct, or I could have written better than this, right? We've all experienced that. So many other jobs, people feel like maybe they're frauds or they're about to be found out. But there aren't as many jobs, there aren't other jobs that have such a public persona. In order to succeed as a published author, in order to make money from this, you've got to send your work out to the world. And that opens you up to be discovered, right? 
That's what people are going to find out. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we all feel this way. In fact, even after all these years, every time I send something out, particularly to a new editor, I feel a little sick to my stomach. Like they're going to hate this. Like they're going to send this back. They're going to wonder how I ever got this job in the first place, whatever it is, right? It's a very real feeling. I'm okay. I got that, that we're going to have this experience. I don't think we need to suppress it, but I think we need to be aware of it and cope with it because imposter syndrome is so strong and so powerful at times that it can keep you from doing the work you're meant to do. And that is to become a writer. All right. So what do we do about this? And how does this show up in our lives? The thing with writing, and no matter what it is you're writing, and I've written everything from content for websites and marketing campaigns to uh, proposals to brochures on actual paper back in the day, to magazine and newspaper articles, books, I'm writing fiction, and invariably I experience some kind of uh, imposter syndrome. And it peaks at surprising times i'm in this writer's workshop with people that i really like and i really trust they're they're brilliant writers and they're super smart and they're very constructive and kind in their criticism but last week i put something in one of my pieces and even when i put it in i knew that it didn't belong there it wasn't it wasn't a smart sentence it didn't belong there but i was tight for time so I let it go and the group called that out they knew it didn't belong there too and they identified that and they mentioned it which is totally appropriate and they were right and I was so ticked at myself I knew it didn't belong and I let it ride and that caused a little imposter syndrome the next day like who am I if I can't if I didn't even edit this properly and blah 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 right so it can sneak up on us even in the most gentle environments it comes up if you send out a pitch for me and it's rejected no matter what the reason is there's a little imposter syndrome well I'm never going to sell anything again when I wrote my first book and my second book <laughs> and actually when I've written every book it's come up every time well I just got lucky I just got lucky. How are they, when they see this book, they're gonna, this is never gonna, what am I doing here? How could I end up here? I think you know what I'm talking about because I bet you felt it too. But I'm really interested in how we deal with this and there are some real uh, practical, concrete ways to manage it. And the first thing is awareness, right? We, we need to become aware when we're doing it to ourselves. When the constructive criticism is real and valuable or when we're being too hard on ourselves and uh, demeaning ourselves or preventing um, the work from getting done. So that's where we start. You know, it's guaranteed as a writer that some people aren't going to like your work. So that's just the nature of the job. So get used to it, accept that and become aware of that. When we know that, then it can become slightly easier to not take it as personally. But you need to like your stuff and you need to like your stuff where it is right now. The first book I wrote, um, I loved that book and I had a great experience writing it. But it's probably not the best written book I'm ever going to do in my life because I hope I'm progressing as a writer and as a person, as a woman. I hope I'm getting better at my life. I'm paying attention to those things. So I hope the book that I wrote 12 years ago is good and something I'm proud of, which I am, but I doubt it will be as good as the one I write next year or the year after that because I'm a better writer now. 
I see things differently. So that's the nature of the business. And, and when we know that, we can give some grace to ourselves, right? The other thing is when we're facing off against this imposter syndrome, and it often comes up when people ask us what we do, right? In the beginning, I remember I felt like I was faking it when I said, well, I'm a writer. I hadn't published a lot. I had published a little. Um, and I was completely committed. I had, you know, graduated with a journalism degree and I'd studied this my whole life. And I've done much more studies since then. I don't think you need a college degree to be a writer, but I do think you want to take on the responsibility of the job and, and learn as much as you can about the craft and read as much as you can to understand it. So when you are a writer, when that is your job, put it on your business card and stand up and square your shoulders and say, well, I'm a writer. Now, the very next thing people say is, oh, really? Like, what do you write? you know, sometimes it comes out as a dare. Today I was, I was asked about it and it was great. They, they said, Oh really? That's so cool. Tell me about it. What kind of stuff do you like to write? And, but I've had people stand up. Really? Are you published? Like it's some kind of a dare. Like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a writer too. Right. Cause everybody's a writer these days, but that's okay. You don't have to answer to those things. You have to decide for yourself and make a commitment to the craft and the profession that you want to do. Put it on your business card. Put it on your website. I'm a writer. That's that's my job title. I have other job titles. I'm also a mother. I'm also a wife. I'm also a duck fan. All those things, right? I mean, who isn't really? Um, but you're not a fraud because you write every day and you're calling yourself a writer. That's what the job is. And if you want to publish, you've got to write frequently. You've got to write you know, more, more days than not, because you're going to need to get the work out there and get the clips and, and get your byline in front of people. And it's in the writing that we become better writers. So if you're a writer now, but you haven't published yet, but you're actively working on your craft and studying for the job, you know, that's good. You, people learn how to be plumbers before they ever get a client who needs a new garbage disposal or whatever, <laughs> or toilet, right? So you have to believe that this is real for you and that this is a possibility for you and take that in. Call yourself a writer and practice by saying it to yourself. Create a space where you write in your home, right? And make it, you're not playing at this. You're self-employed as a writer or you may work at another job and also be a writer, you know, I have a friend who has a job and she cuts hair on the side. She doesn't say I'm a sort of hairdresser or I'm sort of, I, I work at a sort of salon. No, she's a stylist. That's what she does. And she also has an office job. She likes to do both. Call yourself a writer. Own it. Imposter syndrome is a belief that we're not enough, that we're going to be found out, that we're not good at this. And those beliefs start within our heads. And we internalize all these things that we see in the media. Writers can't make any money or writing isn't a real job. Or maybe when I retire, I'll get on a hobby of writing. I'm telling you what, writing is a real job. It's a satisfying job and it's one you can make money at. And if you don't get that, listen to a few of the other episodes on the show because every week, every other week, we talk to writers who are making big money at $100,000 a year or whatever it is to do what they love to do and what they've gotten very good at because they've worked at it. So if somebody is questioning you and you feel like a fraud, that is the inner work 
we need to think about. Call yourself a writer and do the things that writers do. And next time you feel kind of prickly when you're, well, I'm a writer, own it. Stand up, say, well, let's see. I wrote today. I did research today. I concepted this new book idea. I, I sent out a pitch for a magazine article. Then you can, you're doing the job of a writer. Call yourself that. To get used to saying those words it's easier to own it. I'll tell you what, I remember the very first time I was at this consumer um, thing, this consumer focus group for a TV show, you know, they call you into the the ballrooms of these big hotels and, and they have you watch a little snippet of their new show or whatever it is. They used to do this all the time. I don't know if they still do, but, and they um, then ask you for your feedback on the show before they decide to take the show out to market. And I was in that group and they were asking us our professions as we went in. And I was a freelance writer, but I was doing all kinds of other things. It was the first year of my uh, self-employment. And so I was doing PR, I was doing media training, consulting. I was utilizing my other skills to also make a living. And so I normally would say, well, I'm in PR or whatever it was. And that night, I will never forget it. I stood there and I said, well, I'm a writer. And nobody cared, right? The guy who was taking my name down and writing, checking it off on a form, he could care less what I did. But it was the first time I took that in, in very serious terms and declared it as something that was part of who I was, my identity. I'd felt that way a long time, but I think that's when I started to believe it. And that's when things started happening for me. So own it. Also remember that imposter syndrome generally strikes people who are high achieving people who really are dedicated and working hard to achieve some success. That doesn't mean you have to be published to experience imposter syndrome as a writer. You know, calling yourself a writer um, can pick up those feelings of fraud or self-doubt. But that's why we need to step back and, and be aware of that and get used to that, especially if we're unpublished or self-published, because the public at large may have different definitions of those things. But I think writing is writing and everybody's unpublished at some time. And I was just so much as a writer. In fact, I was probably working harder before I published anything because I was trying to make a go of it. I was just as much a writer then as I am now. So you have to define that for yourself. If you think publishing success makes you more of a writer or better than the other writers, I would disagree. I don't think it does. It feels great and allows us to make money at this so that we can keep writing. That's one of the great rewards. It allows us to share ideas in the world and hopefully in a positive way um, that can change things for the better. But it it doesn't make you more of a writer when you fun, finally publish a book. It won't to yourself at least. So you have to know how you define it and what your benchmarks are in your career. So when you hit them, you can celebrate that. You can feel validated for that. I'm telling you straight up, I know many published authors and writers, including myself, who also experience imposter syndrome. I did just this last week. I was writing for a new market and it's one I wanted to write for for a while. And I was like, oh my God, it's just a matter of time before they kill this story or they figure out that I don't know what the heck I'm doing, 
right? And the other people will figure it out. The trouble with imposter syndrome is, is that drives us in the wrong direction. It takes a tremendous amount of energy to overcome it because if we're feeling like an imposter and buying into that awareness, then we are constantly critical of ourselves and editing every little thing and critiquing our work and second guessing our decisions. We may not reach out to a new market or editor because we don't have the confidence because, you know, we have imposter syndrome. We feel like a fraud. And Ultimately, this takes too much from us and we don't have energy to write. It will block you from writing or writing well at all. So, so I guess the question is, do any of these things sound familiar? They do to me. I've been there. And if they're familiar to you too, there is a way through this. There's a way of dealing with this in the moment. And we're going to talk about how to do that when we come back from this short break on Simply Write with Polly on the Creators Network of Electrocast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Simply Write with Polly. I'm Polly, and we are on the Creators Network of Electrocast. And this is the show where we talk about crafting a writing career and living the writer's life. And we're talking about imposter syndrome today. This belief that often comes with overachieving people or very driven people who really want to make a mark on the world and are working hard to do it. Often many of us experience what is called imposter syndrome. We feel like a fraud. We feel like it's just a matter of time before somebody discovers that we can't do the job, that we don't belong, that we're inadequate, and we're going to be found out. And this plagues a lot of writers. It plagues me off and on at various times. And every time I'm working with a new publication, it seems like I have this mini panic attack, like, oh my God, do they know who they just hired? Why am, why am I getting to do this? In the early days of my career, I had this real sense that, oh, I'm so grateful. Give me the job. I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. Now, that is not smart for business, right? I still feel that. I feel fortunate every day that I get to do the work I love to do and make a living at it. But it's not a great, but it's not a great business environment to um, feel clingy and needy for every job you're going to get. You need to have a little more business acumen. And over time with the experience I have, I've definitely settled down and feel more confident. I know what I bring to the market now. I know what I bring to editors now. And so I'm glad I get to do the work, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to sell my soul anymore, right? I don't think you ever have to do that, but we get plagued by this feeling that we're not good enough. And we have this self-doubt. So it can compromise the way we do our our business and the way we do the writing. And sometimes it keeps us from writing anything at all. Not a good thing for a writer. We need to be writing often and publishing often. Okay, so here are some specific things we can do to catch ourselves in the throes of imposter syndrome and get rid of it. The first one we talked about earlier, become aware, catch yourself when you're ruminating on these thoughts of self-doubt, when you're feeling more grateful and lucky for a job, then feeling grateful, but also balanced by this understanding that you have a lot you can bring to the job. 
remember you are learning and you're training and preparing and you're working every day to learn and improve and writing can be better can get better we can become better writers i hope i do it my whole career and so that's just part of the process but that doesn't mean you don't have anything to bring right now and a professional writer will go into every situation and know they can deliver like they can learn what they need to do depending on the audience changing voices whatever they will find a way to do that that's what a professional does stop comparing yourself to other people you'll never measure up. Even if you're the top of the line, you'll never measure up. There's always gonna be somebody with a bigger contract or an assignment you wanted or 20 books to your two books, whatever it is, stop it. it you can't measure up, they can't measure up to you. We're all just going around in the circle and we're never behind closed doors, right? We don't really know what's going on for other people. Focus on what you can do, control the things you can do, put your head down and get to work and keep writing. Another thing I suggest is save the gold stars. And what I mean by that early on when I was getting more rejections than acceptances, I had a feel good file. And this is a paper file and I still have it today. I think it's great to do it on paper because it's important to have this visceral experience. My feel good file is letters from readers that I've received where they said positive things about my book, um, notes from my editor, uh, articles and that won awards, awards from my latest book. In fact, You Recharged won several awards. And I have the certificates from those awards in that feel good file. I have a letter from my grandmother who wrote to me and, and told me uh, how proud she was of me. So those are the things that are in my feel good file. When I'm feeling really lumpy and down on myself, when I'm feeling like a fraud, feeling that imposter syndrome, I go to that file and I pull out a couple of those pieces and remind myself who I am because I'm a writer and I'm a good writer and I work really hard to become a better writer. I even do that today, every day. And the point is we are really quick to absorb the negativity and the negative critiques and the upsets in the world and the rejections. And there are plenty of them in this job, but it's okay too to remember on those days to go in and remember the times you got it right. Remember the times your writing changed the world or made a difference in somebody's life. We don't do that enough. So save the gold stars. Save it in a paper file or print out email letters and put it in or have a file on your, on your desktop. Whatever works for you, keep it. The other thing when you're feeling really like an imposter, and this is something I do very religiously when I'm down in the dumps about this, I write more work and I send something out. This is the day when I'm feeling like an imposter that I'll write a newsletter real quick and get something out in the world or a new pitch or a letter of introduction or I'll work on a chapter, whatever it is. I want to write something and I want to get something out to the world. The other day I wrote to my, uh, my former college professor who has been a mentor to me and I wrote a letter in by hand because I wanted to talk about this stuff and I needed to show myself that I'm always a writer. I will be a writer. I am a writer. I can string sentences together. I can make it work. Not everybody's going to love it, but guess what? Not everybody's going to not love it either. There are people who love what I write and uh, more than just my mother. And, and it's okay to hold to that. But when you're down on the dumps and you feel like you're faking it, like you're not a real writer, write something and ship it, get it out to the world, 
get it out there. Even if it's just on social media, a, a note in Facebook or something, put it out in the world and then soak in the feedback, right? Another thing that I think is really important in this is don't fake it. Like if you're feeling like a fraud, don't fake that you're some great writer. Instead, I, you know, people always say fake it till you make it. I don't think so. I think get in the habit of it. And what do I mean by that? It means I can't fake that I can walk a mile in 10 minutes because I can't. So no matter how fast I get out there and walk, I'm not going to make a mile in 10 minutes, but I can still get out there and walk every day. And the habit of walking every day is going to make my body stronger. As my body gets stronger and better, I will be faster and I will become closer to that ultimate goal if that's a goal for you. So in writing, don't fake it. Just get in the habit. Have a writing place. You go to it at the same time every day. Even if this is a side hustle and you have another job, you come in every night at 9 p.m. when the kids are in bed or whatever it is and you work for your half hour or you work for your 20 minutes or you get up at four in the morning, you work for two hours. Whatever it is for you, get in the habit of living as a writer. Carve time, keep your office hours, sit down and write, ship something, continue to explore these ideas and train yourself to become a better writer. It's not faking it. It's doing the job and doing the job of writing reminds us who we are and then we don't feel like an imposter. Finally, one other thing that I think could be really useful is to um, read about the rejections of all the other writers. <laughs> There's some websites on that show like how Charles Dickens was rejected and all these people, you know, in researching this article, I found Cheryl Strayed, Maya Angelou, Brene Brown, Neil Gaiman, they have all talked about their experience with imposter syndrome and they are all bestsellers and they have all put really important ideas and material out in the world that has changed the world, I think, for the better. So, geez, Louise, if these people are experiencing the same feelings and experiences that I'm having, then clearly I'm a professional writer, right? These are the top of the heap professionally as writers making big O bucks from their work, changing the world with their important ideas. And if they're experiencing imposter syndrome, hey, I'm right in their group. If nothing else, we can be frauds together. But I don't think they're frauds, so that must mean I'm not either, right? It makes you a writer. So if you've ever felt imposter syndrome like these other professional writers, I guess then we're all part of the group. We're all professional writers, and we're all making a go of it. Believe it. Become aware when you're experiencing these self-doubts and this imposter syndrome. And then sit down and write and move forward. All right, it's time for your assignment today. And this is one I've done. You know, I never give you work to do that I haven't already done myself. But I want you to start your feel-good folder today. Set a folder up on your desktop, on your phone, your notes app, or I like to use a paper file because you know me in office supplies. I like paper files and I put I print off stuff from emails that come or I put cards in there or notes. Start your folder, write down some positive feedback that you remember from past times and it can be anything. It doesn't have to just be about writing. Writers need to have a lot of different skills. Great, good grades you got, something your mom or dad said to you or a teacher picked up on, a, a way when you felt really good 
about your own writing success and, and you carved out this niche for yourself, something from an old professor, a, re a positive review from a reader, whatever it is, a little snippet that made you feel good as a writer, that helped you validate your work as a writer. Stick that in your file, label it feel good file and start keeping it. Now collect these things over the years as you get a positive review where something comes your way or an editor sends you an email and says, this is great. Thanks for the piece. Print it out, pop it in there and keep track because there will be days when you are certain you are going to be found out and you'll never write again and everybody hates you and it's the worst thing in the world and you can pull out that folder and remember that you're better off now than you were even then. And you were still pulling in the compliments. You're still making it work because that's who you are. Your assignment today, create your own feel good file. All right, you know what that sound means. It's time for my favorite segment. What's in the desk where we talk about office supplies or the tools writers like to have around them when they're getting their work done. And for me, what's in the desk today is actually a book. It's a book that if you haven't read yet, check it out. Get your own copy, get a physical copy, keep it on your desk. And it's by Stephen King and it's called On Writing. And it's really a memoir about where, how he came to be the Stephen King, his thoughts about writing, um, things you should do, things you should not do. But it, it's less, in, less prescriptive and more interesting and inspiring and useful as far as uh, not only getting the writing done in appreciating that you can get the writing done and that it matters and that it's valuable and despite the stress and strain of it it's satisfying and fulfilling and worthy and all those things so pick it up it's great instruction but it's just inspiring and it made me feel proud to be a writer so what's in the desk today Stephen King's book on writing pick it up and today, remember the words of Maya Angelou, who often talked about her own experience with imposter syndrome. Here's what she said. I have written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find me out now. I run a game on everybody, and now they're going to find me out. Remember, writers, if you experience imposter syndrome, you're not alone, and you're also not a fraud. The best way through it is to sit down and simply write. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Acid. 